It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. It is freaking cold. <laughs> How's it going, everybody? Thank you to the University of Northern Colorado for that fantastic ad before the episode. My name is Fred Kep. I'm the host of this here podcast, which is all about pumping teachers up for the week ahead. We are getting closer to Christmas, and the episodes keep getting better and better. What's up. Today we have Daniel Blanchard on the show. Now a little bit about Daniel. Now he's award-winning speaker, a best-selling author, he's an educator, as well as a two-time junior Olympian wrestler and two-time junior Olympian wrestling coach. Grew up as a student athlete. He has seven degrees. He currently teaches special education and social studies in Connecticut's largest inner city high school where he was chosen by the AFTCT as the face and voice of educational reform and is now on the speaking circuit for them. This guy is just a gym. He's a joy to have on the podcast. He's exciting. He's pumped up. He's positive and he has some wonderful tips and strategies that you can start implementing today that will not only boost your mood, but it will help your students and impact them as well. So without further ado, enjoy today's episode. All right, everyone, welcome to another fantastic episode. We have another amazing guest on the show today. His name is Daniel Blanchard. What is that? French, yes? Yes. The Blanchard. The Blanchard is French, but most of my friends call me Blanchard. Blanchard. And uh, either way is acceptable, Fred. Awesome. (laughs) Well, he is actually in Connecticut right now, and he is a speaker and a teacher and a dad. I mean, this guy does it all. First of all, what do you teach? What do you speak about? And what's your favorite part about parenting? Okay, boy, uh, that's a that's a great set of questions. So how you said I kind of do it all. Many times I think I'm pretty close to doing it all. <laughs> uh, believe it, I've been teaching uh, in Connecticut's uh, largest inner city high school and uh, the New Britain School District. And I've been teaching special education and history. Believe it or not, I teach both. I go back and forth all the time between wow. between two the two of them. And I've had like a quite a journey over there, Fred. I mean, I've actually taught special ed and regular education at the high school, middle school, and elementary school levels. Mm-hmm. So I've had a lot, a lot of different speaking experiences uh, or teaching experiences. And when it comes to speaking, it's just as wide. I speak about like teens, teenagers about like leadership and then that kind of like trickles up till I talk to like adults that are uh, that are maybe serving teams such as like teachers and parents you know educators uh community leaders uh small business leaders all those sort of like anybody's looking for like leadership you know so I speak to all of them and, and like I said I just threw in there, as I said you know like educators parents I mean I also write multiple books I have teen leadership books I have academic books for educators uh, you know I got parenting books coming out I got professional speaking f- books for authors you know how to become a professional speaker and, and broaden your influence for authors so I do so many different things, Fred. And I got to tell you, being a parent is an amazing journey. It's a very humbling one. I mean, you have every single day, you have many opportunities to do something wrong and be humbled, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and that's so true that every single day that does happen. But what happens is as an adult, as a mature adult with hopefully a lot of social, emotional intelligence, you get over it, you know, and you keep going forward. And you keep in front of you what's good for my children or my students or my athletes or, you know, whatever the youth are that are sitting in front of you. Mm-hmm. What, what's good for them? And if you keep that in front of you, what's good for them? You have a lot of joy 
you know, watching your children, you know, develop and uh, the little things they do that just amaze you every day. Fred, as I said, you know, every single day, parenting gives you a chance to be humbled. So, so does coaching and teaching, but uh, it also gives you a chance every single day to be amazed at what our youth you know, how they develop. And it's just so much fun watching them do that. Wow. Yes. And uh, something you mentioned there, you said coaching. I forgot to mention you are a football coach and a wrestling coach as well. Wrestling. A lot of the U.S. is big on wrestling. I know growing up in West Texas, it wasn't even a thing. What is your favorite part about coaching? Again, I think about how many times kids come in green and, uh, you know, they step on that mat and there's, there's nowhere to hide, nobody to blame. And they got to take their beatings. And when, yeah. uh, you know, it's just part of the process, Fred. Right. So, and when they take their beatings, it just doesn't physically beat them up. It mentally and psychologically beats them up. And that kid, that kid may not come back tomorrow. So, right. uh, but the thing is, there's, there's no way of getting around it. I mean, you got to go through it. You got to pay your dues. And my job is to make sure that I emotionally build that kid up, build that relationship. And I let that kid know, listen, dude, I'm in your corner. I'm always in your corner. You come back tomorrow. All right. You come back tomorrow. Things are going to be better tomorrow because I'm going to teach you some more stuff tomorrow. And uh, I love watching that kid who may be timid, afraid, maybe embarrassed. I love watching that kid put their trust in me and say, all right, coach, I'll be back. But but please help me. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Because I don't want to get beat up like that again. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I feel you on that. Wow. That's really cool, though. I, and that's kind of true just for life in general, isn't it? There's no way around it. There's going to be bad times. There's going to be hard times. There's going to be times when you don't really know what's next or what you can do to to make it better. But you just got to keep going yeah. back. You just got to keep going back. Definitely. And I can tell you, being a teacher and a coach is wonderful because you get these uh, kids, let's say, that are in your classroom and they don't really know you. You know, you're just like their teacher, right. especially if it's early in the year. You know what I'm saying? And then when they do get to know you, they only know you like in the teaching capacity. And so if they come up like your wrestling team or football team or whatever it may be, you know, you get to build a relationship deeper with that kid because they're getting to know you in a better capacity. And if it's the sport of wrestling, put them on the mat and you and you pet them a few times. And they're like, holy crap, my teacher's pinning me. You know what yeah. I'm saying? My teacher's like beating my butt and I can't freaking do anything about it. <laughs> so there's like a whole new respect for you and a whole new of them opening up their eyes and ears and saying, okay, I'm ready to be the student. Whether it's on the wrestling mat or whether it's in the classroom, now I'm ready to be yeah. the student. Now I'm ready to learn because you, you know, you totally caught my attention. I got, and you got my respect now. So right. it's, it's beautiful being a, teacher slash coach. This podcast is all about bringing in amazing guests. It's fantastic. I'm, I'm excited about it. And it's all about pumping teachers up for the week. So with that said, one question I always like to start an interview off with is, what are you doing on a Monday? What are you doing on a Sunday leading up to a week to make sure that you are charged up? <laughs> oh, boy, that's funny. But I don't think anybody's asked me that one yet. But this is a wonderful question. I got to tell you, every Monday morning, I am in the gym before work. You know, and that's like five in the morning. I'm in the gym before work, pumping myself up, trying to improve myself. And, uh, you know, leading up to teaching, teaching's very, very strenuous and very, very stressful. The outside world just doesn't know because they're not in the classroom standing in front of those kids trying to do, you know, what we do in, in front of today's kids. So I'm always, today's kids are way, way tougher and more talented than back when we were in school. The adults today, they don't truly get what teachers are going through and the teachers 
professional lives are only averaging about three years these days. Three years and teachers are down. They can't freaking take it anymore. So what I do is I'm constantly building myself up mentally, emotionally, psychologically. I'm in the gym every morning before work, constantly reading, bettering myself, constantly networking and working with people over with the American Federation of Teachers where I do a lot of seminars and workshops. I speak over there and I'm always taking encouragement from my network and a little funny ritual that I used to always do. I don't, you know, I don't do so much anymore, but once in a while I do, but I used to always do it in the beginning because teaching was really hard. It was way, way harder than I thought it would be was I would go in the bathroom before every single class and I would throw a little water on my face and jump around for a few seconds like Rocky Balboa uh-huh. or not to, to like emotionally pump myself up. And psychologically pump myself up. And then I come uh, whipping out of that bathroom, speed walking to my classroom. And I get there, let's say, right before my students. And I was at the door, pumped up like I was ready for a prize fight. You know what I'm saying? That. And I had, and, and the kids were like, holy crap, mister, you're always so like pumped up. You're always so like high energy. And they find me interesting and dynamic because of that. And when I was dealing with tough times with them, I was psychologically in the right place. So mm-hmm. I was able to handle, you know, their little snide remarks or insults or just their, their, their indifference, saying whatever it may be. So Tony Robbins talks a lot about putting yourself in the right state of, uh, you know, the mental state of mind and being a teacher it's very very important because you're on you're on stage you know five times a day you're putting on a show where you got 30 eyeballs on you watching your every single move looking for any weakness that they can find to exploit so you're it's exhausting so you got to put yourself in the right state of mind to do this job and those are just some of the things that I do, Fred. And I guess it's working. Getting a little bit of movement, getting your blood circulating before you start and, and go into something where you're going to have to be extremely focused. I've had a couple yeah, of teachers, no actually, of the younger ages come on to the show and say the first thing that they do in the morning is they make their kids do this like random dancing stuff. So they get them moving, they get them up. Yeah. Actually, when I start my presentations, that's how I started. The first like 10, 15 minutes are, are really interactive, really like there's tons of movement in it. And it just kind of gets everybody mm-hmm. like, whoo, all right, we're ready to go. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. So there's definitely something to be said yeah, about that. Absolutely. Even. And going from class to class like that is even better. Breaking it down, that allows you to to have that energy throughout the entire day and kind of reset after every every period. Next thing I wanted to ask is what's something that you do that's kind of unique that maybe other teachers could learn from? Well, I'm going to tell you, Fred, it's like a, a mindset. And I know a lot of teachers uh, are going to totally get what I'm going to say next about that. But over the years, from time to time, you still find a teacher that kind of has a little bit of like, they're stuck in their their ways. They have a little bit of the old mindset. They still believe content is king. And listen, I I am so onto how important content is. I mean, I got 14 years of college, seven degrees, and I study my content nonstop so that I can fascinate my students and intrigue them and get them so involved and love that the content part of this. But where I'm going with this is that some teachers, every now and then I hear them, you know, they get so annoyed with the students, which is very easy to do these days. Students are different these days. You know what I'm saying? So it's so easy to get annoyed and sometimes just outright mad at the students because of the things they're doing, the things they're not doing, their attitudes, their behaviors, all that stuff. And I hear them saying something, you know, about they're mad at the kids or whatever. and and, And they're saying, like, I teach math. You know, like I teach math or I teach English or whatever. And I tend to come back sometimes in the nicest way that I can. I go, really? I go, because I teach kids. Oh, yeah. And I teach and I teach kids 
social studies. Like I don't mm -hmm. teach social studies. I teach kids. Right. You know what I'm saying? So what I do is I put the kids center, front, mm -hmm. and I realize it's them. They're, they are what's important. N not that I know 101 facts about the War of 1812. I mean, they don't give a crap if I know 101 facts about the War of 1812. As far as they're concerned, it's boring. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so they don't, they don't care. But when they know that I care about them and their own development, then I can start bridging them into paying attention to the content. And then, then this is the content's like secondary almost. And then once I get, once I got that bridge and I'm bridging them into the content, then I can fascinate them with what I know about the content, make them giggle, make them sad, you know, make them laugh, make them angry through the content. Then I got, I got them hooked and I, they, they're not going to forget. They're not right. going to forget the content when I put it in that way, but I can't start with the content first. Cause when I start with the content first, they're just like boring. You know, they don't yeah, care. Definitely. They don't care. So I, I teach kids first yeah. then the content second. So that's the mindset. And I know a lot of teachers are there, but for some of the teachers that are not there, something that they, they want to try. That's a, that's really an interesting thing. Cause that's, that's the kind of thing, you know, speakers like you, you and I and, and other speakers, that's kind of what we look at too, is like, if I went into a speech and I went in and I just started with my main point, I just went in, I was like, how are you? If you need anything, let me know. Like the first one acknowledges, the second one accepts. They'd just be like, what are you talking about, dude? Like, <laughs> Who is this guy mm -hmm. that came, who is this random guy that just came to my school and started preaching yeah. at us? Like, that's not cool. But if I start by like interactions and I start with drawing them in and I mean, just caring about them yeah. and their happiness, they get no drawn doubt. in. They're like, okay, well, now we yeah. have to, now, now we should probably listen to this guy because he's cool and you yeah, don't yeah. not listen to your friend. I mean, I'm not trying to say yeah. as a teacher, you need to be everybody's friend. That's definitely not what I'm trying to say. But what I'm yeah. trying to say is you do want to establish that rapport, even with, no, even no with elementary students, even with high schoolers. If I just went in and tried to tell my boys that I coach soccer, if I just went in and tried to tell them how to play it, they'd look at me like I was crazy and be like, uh, and you are? Yeah, you yeah no doubt. I always try to remind educators that we are in the people business. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what we are. Education is the people business. And sometimes teachers lose sight of that and they think that we're in the content business. I mean, that's second day. We're in the people business. And then when you kind of go up the food chain a little bit, and you get in with the uh, school administrators, the vice principals, principals, etc. Many times they lose sight of it that we're in the people business, and many times they uh, they think that we're in the data collection business. Yeah, you know, and it's like, but no, Preach. we're not. It's like I don't care if you're an assistant principal, principal, or superintendent, or whatever you are. We're still in the people business, and these people, you know, these educators that climb up the ladder, they just get swamped by data. And it just becomes all consuming. And then before they know it, they're in the data business and the people business is kind of falling by the wayside. And then they're having trouble getting people to follow them and they're wondering why. And it's yeah. like, well, because you lost sight. You lost sight that an education is a people business. So whether you're an administrator trying to get your teachers to follow you or whether you're a teacher trying to get your students to follow you or, or as you were saying, Fred, you know, a coach trying to get your athletes to follow you or even a speaker on the stage. Trying to get your audience to follow you. And you're trying to educate them on something that will improve their lives. It's like we are in the people business and sometimes we forget that and we can't. We got to remember one of the people business first. Definitely. Right before the break, just real quick, because we're actually almost at the break here. What is something that you have failed at and what was the solution? So we all have failures. 
What is something that you failed at and how did you react? Okay. Uh, okay. Well, I remember there I was, a young teacher. It was probably my second, third year teaching. And I got to tell you, Fred, I almost quit so many times. It was teaching was so much harder than I thought it was going to be. I started off as a wrestling coach first, and my wrestlers just did what I told them. It was wonderful. And then I got in the classroom, and my students like were refusing to do anything I said. And I was like, what the heck? So I'm probably maybe my second, third year teaching. And me and my wife and my little baby girl were in the checkout line at like some store, Walmart maybe. The cashier is one of my old students from like two, three years ago, whatever it is. And she's like, mister, do you recognize me? And I'm looking at her and I'm like, yeah. I go, you were like one of my students a few years ago, weren't you? And she goes, yeah, yeah. And, and we, we talk for a few seconds. And then she goes, hey, mister, you uh, you, you, you really didn't know what you're doing, huh? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah, it was embarrassing. It was humbling. She's saying it in front of my wife and my little baby girl. And Fred, I'm just looking at her <laughs> and, and, and I just get like sad and, and I just think, man, yeah, you're right. <laughs> and I'm kind of walking away with my head down <laughs> and, oh my and, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I think I want to quit again. You know, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, this teaching thing is for the birds. I'm like, this is so hard. You know, nobody appreciates you in the classroom. Everybody fights against what you're trying to do to help them. And then uh, then your former students embarrass you in front of your wife. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it was crazy. But the thing is, Fred, I mean, what I did about it was that every single day when I was driving home, white knuckling my uh, steering wheel, like, you know, saying, I'm not going to quit. 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 You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, uh, I, I had it in my mind that, one, I wasn't going to quit. And two, I was going to come back tomorrow and try to somehow make things better tomorrow. And it took years, Fred, it took yeah. years. But after years and years of having a stamina that I still wonder where it came from, I, I am now a really, really good educator. Yeah. And, and my students love me and they talk about me all the time. And when I bump into them in public, they run over, you know, and yeah. give me hugs and, and, and start bragging to my wife about me. So um, it's a pretty cool place I'm in now. But I could have quit a million times before this, and I would have never gotten to this place if I did. Wow, that is great. Well, hey, great first half of the episode. We are going to take a really quick break. Thank a sponsor. We'll be right back. For you, the listeners of the Teacher Recharge Podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Now, whenever I have a guest on the show, I ask them for a recommendation. So, Mr. Blanchard, what is your recommendation? Hey, Fred, I think this is an easy one to tell you the truth. I think the, the book, The Storm, How Young Men Become Good Men, written by uh, a great educator, me, <laughs> is is a, a super, super book. You know, it's a book about a, a struggling teen. There's a lot of them out there. So I think that the teens out there, educators out there would definitely benefit 
from a free copy of the Audible book of um, The Storm, How Young Men Become Good Men. Awesome. You would like to get The Storm or any of the other over 180,000 titles that they have to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player, you just go to audibletrial.com slash teacher recharge. Once again, you could take your little butt over to audibletrial.com slash teacher recharge and take advantage of that free audiobook and 30-day trial. Peace. And we are back on the interview with Daniel Blanchard. It is my favorite part of the episode. Favorite part every single week. It's not, I mean, like, this is, this makes me so happy. It is story time with Daniel Blanchard. It could be comedic. It could be motivating. It could be anything. The floor is yours. Give us your best story. Wow. There's so many good stories out there, but I want to go back. Till my first year as a high school wrestling coach. And as I'd mentioned earlier, I was a wrestling coach before I was an educator. And and because I enjoyed wrestling so much, that's what made it so I became a teacher. Because I had no intentions of becoming a teacher. But wrestling was so, being a wrestling coach was so awesome that I just figured that the next logical step was to become a teacher. And that's what led me to where I am today. So let me go back to one of those stories of my very first year as a very young 20-year-old high school wrestling coach. I just recently wrestled in the Junior Olympics twice. Ten years later, maybe a little bit less than ten years later, I would be the Junior Olympic wrestling coach twice as well. But I'm going back to my very, very green days of a 20-year-old newbie, you know. First year being a wrestling coach, took over a team that only had seven wrestlers on this team. And the, and the team was collapsing. It was folding. They asked me if I'd come in and, you know, one last ditch effort to try to save the team. And, uh, if I could, if I could save it, awesome. But if we didn't have a great year and it didn't look promising, the program was over. From there, I'm going to go two quick stories on this first year of being a high school wrestling coach. <clears throat> Was because there was only seven kids. No kid had like placed in the states and been to like the state open in like a decade. You know, we were going to pretty much lose every single match. But here's the deal: because there was only seven kids, we had to forfeit six weight classes. So six times uh, six is thirty-six points. So we were down thirty-six nothing uh, before the match, before the you know the meet would even start. So we were pretty much going to lose almost every single match. And and because we only had seven kids. We actually won our very first match of the year, lost every single other match during the year and lost our, and then won our last match of the year. So we had great bookend victories, right? But here was the beautiful thing. Mm. Two beautiful things here. One, because we only had um, seven kids, those seven kids spent the entire two hour wrestling practice wrestling with me. And I kept correcting them and correcting them and correcting them. And they all looked at me like I was some god of wrestling, which in those days I felt like that. But, uh, <laughs> you know, but they, and, and they and they admired me and they wanted to be me. And so they were very, very open to correction. And so three months later, <clears throat> we're in the uh, States. Now, remember, no kid in that team had placed in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. So uh, three months later, we're in the States. Four of them placed in the top three and qualify for the state open. And I take four of the seven to the state open. And one of them, who I'm going to talk about next, this boy Jason, he was our 98-pounder during the season. But you know, he only weighed like like 90 pounds. So he was having a really rough time because you know, that's a lot of weight for that weight class. But for the states that year, they put in um a 91 pound 91 pound weight class. So 
there was a very, very good chance because he'd gotten so good by the end of the season that there was a very, very good chance that he was going to be in the finals and maybe even a state open champion, which was would have been awesome. And then he didn't make weight. <laughs> so, oh, no. so go figure. He had some kind of growth spurt like the week before, and he came in at like 92 pounds, oh. and he didn't make weight. And we were like, what the? So uh, we, we didn't get our state open championship final, or uh, but we, but or at least finalists. But it was a great, great season uh, to place four kids and bring them to the open. And that's what made me really, really want to continue with being, uh, you know, being a great wrestling coach and getting into the educational world and got me here. But before I jump forward too much here. Let me go back to Jason. Jason, for almost the entire season, was a 90-pound wrestler. He wasn't 92 in that to that very last like weekend, <laughs> you know. Mm. But uh, he was a 90-pound wrestler wrestling 98-pound boys. Now that may not sound like a big difference, but at that weight class, it is. It's a huge difference, and he was young too. You know, he was only like a freshman or sophomore, so he was wrestling kids that were older than him and like eight pounds heavier than him. So he was pretty much out, you know, outmatched frequently, but as the, especially in the, in the early season. But as the season went along, you know, he got better and better and better because he was always wrestling with me uh, during, the, during the season. But I, I do remember one time we were probably about a third of the way through the season. And this boy who was bigger and older than him was beating the heck out of him. You know? And you could see it. You know, it was all over his face that he was scared, didn't want to be out there no more. You know, embarrassed. His parents were watching. I think his girlfriend was in the crowd. You know, and, and he's getting hammered. You know what I'm saying? At one point, this bigger, older boy grabs him and throws him. And he, and he lands on the mat and he rolls over like probably like five or six times and lands at my feet. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. So I pick him up. Now, if you could picture this, friend, I pick him up and, I, and, I, and, and we're face to face. And I say, Jason, he's leaning. I'm like, snap him down, spin to the side, hit him on arrow, cradle, and pin him. Like that. So he goes out there, ref blows the whistle. His opponent, the bigger, older boy, advanced exactly what I said. He steps aside this little boy, bone arrow cradles this kid, turns him, pins him. Up. The referee raises his hand, this little 90 ball, and lands on me. And I'm hugging him. He's hugging me. And it was just one of the greatest moments. Um, of the of that first season as a wrestling coach, mm -hmm. his dad and mom come down, his girlfriend come down. You know they're all fired up, and this kid who was just getting hammered goes and does that. Yeah, I mean it was amazing, and it was emotionally charging, and I was hooked at, at making a difference in people's lives any way I can. You know whether it was on the wrestling mat, or down the road in the classroom, or down the road in my speeches and books, mm -hmm. and being a dad and a husband, and a good community, civic-minded member of, of, of my town. You know, I'm just, I'm making a difference. That is awesome. Wow. Goodness gracious. Impressive. <laughs> and and it's really cool. I always like to hear people's stories, because you're obviously a very motivational, very upbeat, positive person, and I really like to hear how that sort of thing kind of developed you into the person you are today, which is awesome. So real quick, though, we are actually running out of time here. So if people want to get in touch with you or they want to find your speaking or anything like that, where can they do that? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm all over the net. Right, so they can go to damblanchard.net or they can go to granddaddysecrets.com. They can Google Dan Blanchard or Daniel Blanchard, author, speaker, whatever, everywhere. Google Granddaddy Secrets. You know, I'm everywhere. I, I have all the social media, Facebook, Twitter, Google+, LinkedIn, Instagram, Pinterest. You know, I'm all over the place. 
So uh, Amazon, I'm look up the Storm or Sprint to the Top or multiple other books I have. So I, I'm all over that. No trouble finding me. You just gotta just Google me, and I'm there everywhere. <laughs> Google me. Oh, I love it. And it actually won't even be that hard because we'll go ahead and put some links in the description. So wonderful. You can- find out more about him hey thank you so much if you listening have a suggestion for someone who might be great for this podcast or if you yourself might be great for this podcast go ahead email me at teacher recharge podcast at gmail.com once again that's teacher recharge podcast at gmail.com i'd love to hear from you also if you'd like to learn more about what i speak about the love and success approach to leadership you can go to fred motivates You can also follow the podcast there. You can listen to this on iTunes, Google Play, Player FM, Spotify should be up. So thank you so much for listening. Please leave a rating or a review if you don't mind. If you just as long as it's nice, because honestly, Daniel and I, we don't have time for your crap. All right. So thank you so much for coming, Daniel. And, you know, this was an awesome interview. Well, thank you, Fred. I had a great time. (laughs)